Welcome to Tech Junior. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are talking to Brian Rinaldi today, who is a developer advocate for Stackbit. Uh, Brian also runs Certified Fresh Events, which is a online meetup um, with workshops and presentations, talks from other developers on various topics. But today we're going to be talking to him mostly about Flashback Conference, which is a conference about the history of the web and its future, which is going to be in Orlando on February 10th and 11th. And I'm going to be there as well as a panelist for a talk on modern web development. So come check it out. We'll put links in the show notes for tickets. And there's a discount until Friday. So check that out as soon as possible. All right. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Tech Junior. My name is Lee Work Junior, uh, full stack JavaScript developer. Have with me as always, Eddie. Hey, it's Eddie. I'm a developer. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a, a special guest. We've got Brian Rinaldi. So Brian, if you could introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Brian Rinaldi. Uh, I work for a company named Stackbit. Um, I'm more of a front end developer, I guess, nowadays than I wouldn't call myself full stack. Uh, I don't know enough of the rest of the stack, but um, <laughs> but yeah, focus on like front end JavaScript, particularly Jamstack, if if you want to name stacks. Cool. So, uh, what is um, Jamstack? Since you what is up? Jamstack? Yeah. So uh, basically, Jamstack is kind of like I've been doing this for years and started out as static site generators like Jekyll and Hugo and stuff like that. Um, but they kind of renamed it because using serverless functions and other kind of, in JavaScript, you can actually make these dynamic. So they're not really static. So that's why the name Jamstack came around to kind of give, give you a sense of like, this isn't static sites that left people feeling like this is old and yeah, I can only, create my blog or my my marketing site right so and obviously you could do a lot more than that i mean even e-commerce sites and uh cms driven sites and stuff like that and that stands and, uh, for uh i'll oh, go ahead okay. eddie oh okay okay wait no do you want me to answer it is that what you... <laughs> yeah what were, what were you gonna say i didn't mean to cut you off no, I, I was gonna ask um like i think uh what gatsby's big and in... Jamstack and stuff. What Gatsby's do you guys? Gatsby. Yeah, what do you use that for? Your job? So me personally, um, I use a lot of Hugo uh, okay. quite a bit. Um, I've been using that for years. It's built in Go and it's really really fast. Um, okay. cool. And it does everything I needed to do. Um, I haven't done Gatsby actually. I know it's really big and you know, if for, especially if you're a React developer. Uh, I've been toying with Next.js, which is kind of like Gatsby. It's also React-based, um, but it isn't exclusively a static site generator. So it's like a React front-end framework that happens to also generate static files. Yeah, kinda... now you can... Uh, sorry, I keep stepping on you. We sorry haven't done that. this for a little bit. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's been about a month. Um, yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say now you can answer the Jamstack question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, what is Jamstack? So JavaScript API and markup, right? Yeah. Yeah, JavaScript API and markup, which, you know, um, is generic enough to probably describe any site. It's like I always say, like, the, yeah. the M for the markup part, it, it stands for a lot more than just, you know, 
markup like people think oh markdown that's or something like you know but it's it's the templating it's markdown it's the static site generator and, and a whole bunch of other things kind of land in that part of the acronym cool so um <clears throat> you said you've been doing this for a while so uh how did you get started as a developer and um what led you to to get into working with stackbit which kind of has an interesting product as far as i know yeah, so um, well, I've been developing like full time professionally since about 1997, I think. So, so I'm old school. Long time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I started out. I mean, to give the, like the full story, I had basically I had such a terrible high school teacher in in uh, computers that I gave up on coding altogether. I was really into it and I just said, I swore off it forever. Uh, and then I I went through college and I barely touched a computer because, well, I mean, it was you didn't need to, to use that many computers. I actually had a typewriter. I know, so that makes me sound even <laughs> older than I really am. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and then I got out of college and um, you know, and I started messing around with, with Flash and with uh, something called Director, which I think is still around, but I used and to and things like that, yeah, and and I just started having fun doing that, and then buddy mine said, "Oh, you know, because it, it was the middle of the dot com boom," and he's like, "You know, if you go take this course on Cold Fusion and finish that course, and we can get you a job." And so I took the course and I built some stuff to go in there with like a portfolio worth of of stuff and got the job, and yeah, been doing this ever since. Cool, uh, Cold Fusion, something I haven't heard in quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I haven't touched it in ten years at least. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I I did it. It it really kind of built my career early on, so I can't complain. So is that kind of like why you're, I guess, non <clears throat> nonplussed about Gatsby, where you've kind of seen all these technologies come and go, and you're like, ah, whatever, Gatsby. <laughs> I already know Hugo. It's, uh, it, it does what I need. I have seen a lot of technologies come and go. Keep in mind, I later ended up at Adobe as the Flash community uh, <laughs> coordinator. Like I was a Flash oh, community wow. person, yeah. So, uh, and flat and Flash and Flex, if you remember F Flex at all, um, no. it's kind of like <laughs> kind of like Silverlight, but it was Adobe's uh, okay. Silverlight. Um, yeah. So, so I have seen my fair share of technologies come and go. Technically, Cold Fusion is still around, by the way. Um, I haven't touched it in forever, but they still released a new version, I think, last year. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it still exists. People still use it. In fact, there's Cold Fusion conferences, and the people who use it are passionate about it. There's not that many of them, but they're very passionate. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, the JavaScript community is is kind of funky, where. Um, we've got all these technologies that come and go and like people are ready to, to get into fist fights and die over like which framework oh, somebody uses. Whereas other ecosystems just kind of hum along and don't really care about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. JavaScript community can, you know, um, can sometimes be difficult. I mean, things change a lot and people, the community can have a very, there's one way to do things, but I mean, everybody has their own idea of what that one way is. And so, Everybody gets into battles about frameworks and things like that. So I try to stay out of that. Cool. 
Do you uh, do you own an iPhone since you used to uh, be the Flash community manager, or are <laughs> you kind of not an Apple fan? <laughs> I do not, but I am I am speaking to you on my on my MacBook Pro, so I'm not like completely anti Apple, um, but but I, I I've been Android since early days because you know back in the day you could only Flash only ran on Android, and so well in BlackBerry, but nobody cares about that what's that no i'm just kidding <laughs> I, I saw a movie where somebody had a blackberry the other day and i was like whoa that's pretty wild <laughs> but uh yeah. they're still around yeah, yeah. they're still yeah uh, and this wasn't by the way this wasn't even blackberry like like um like the regular blackberry phones this was just their little tablet that nobody ended up buying oh i think i remember those yeah did, did you have one eddie no no i just remember it like being like not thing. working out. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I think the, it was uh, just before the first Fire tablets came out, too. And they oh, looked wow. very Something similar. Like they they did, looked very similar. They It did have a very Fire tablet-like kind of look. Yeah. Because it was a weird um, shape. You know, like wasn't normal tablet shape. It was a little more rectangular. Yeah. Man. So uh, we're kind of like going into all these old technologies. I feel like that's a good segue, but <clears throat> before we get to um, before we get to flashback comp, um, you do a lot of community work. So yeah, uh, you work with Odevs. You you do like these online events. Um, how did you get into all that? Is that just a natural progression from your work at Adobe doing, being the uh, community manager, or what happened? Uh, no, really, that's how I ended up being the community manager. Um, so I was. You know, it's a good story, I guess, for junior devs. And I think, you know, because a lot of my career ended up being driven by the fact that somebody told me, no, you couldn't do something. And I'm like, well, screw it. I'm going to do it myself. And <laughs> uh, and so, like, you know, I got a job that they didn't pay for conferences. Um, and I really wanted to go to some conferences. So I said, you know what? I, they won't pay for me to go to one. So I'm going to organize one here. Um, so I like wrote to Adobe. I wasn't working for them at the time. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to organize this conference. Will you sponsor it? And they're like, yeah, sure. Uh, but only if you do it within a month. Uh, and so I threw together this conference in Boston in a month. Um, and that was about 10 or no, 12 years ago. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Funny enough, that conference morphed a few times into a conference that still exists today, although I don't run it. It's now called Web Unleashed, and it's run by FITC, and it's in Toronto. But it started out as Flex Camp Boston, changed to RIA Unleashed, RIA Unleashed, which was like if it was a thing back in the day, rich internet applications, and then changed to Web Unleashed and still exists today. So, so yeah, I've been doing this, you know, that kind of stuff for a long time. I ran a user group back then, multiple user groups. I, you know, I blogged a lot. Um, and that, and I even started speaking, I just, you know, if they wouldn't pay for me to go to the conferences, at least I could get the ticket for free and pay for my own flight. So I started speaking just to do that. Um, I didn't particularly like speaking, but it was like, <laughs> I needed, it was my only way to get to these events. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I went in the direction of like doing community management and developer relations and stuff like that. Um, and I always say, like, I'm, I'm a much better coder of demos than I am of actual <laughs> production-ready applications. <laughs> so, yeah. So, 
if you didn't particularly like speaking, what was the drive to go to the conferences just to be around other developers and learn? Yeah, yeah, it's just to learn. I okay. I, I wanted to go attend, and the speaking was my means of getting okay. there. So, um, I'd say, you know, speaking is one of those things. Like, I think for most, there's only a handful of people who are good at it naturally, and everybody right. else just flat out it's awful the first few times. <laughs> And then eventually you get, you're like, okay, you know, um, I remember every time for probably the first five or six times I got off the stage and I'm like, that was awful. <laughs> and I don't just mean like, I mean, I mean, I, I'm like, I feel, I felt like going up to people and be like, I'm sorry you had to sit through that. <laughs> but they were always like, oh no, that was, that was pretty good. Actually. I, I enjoyed it. I'm like, I hated it. Sorry. <laughs> Um, so, you know, you get, you, you become your own worst critic and then eventually I got to be okay with it. Um, I still, I'm, I wouldn't call myself the greatest speaker, but I'm all right. I, you know, you, and I don't hate would it. You, would you record them and watch them at all? I have seen occasional ones of mine, but no, I, I generally don't like to watch them. <laughs> do you watch yours, Lee? Uh, I do sometimes. So like the whole thing or just, bits? no, I, not okay. Not really the whole thing, but like I'll watch a video or something just to see like what the production quality of it is or to see what I actually said. Cause I'll remember like when I'm giving the talk, be like, oh man, that part right there, I messed that up pretty good. And so I'll watch <laughs> it and like look for that moment and see like, was it as bad as I remember or was it not that bad? Okay. Yeah. But. I'm with Brian. Like I don't <laughs> for a long, long time, uh, especially in school and everything, uh, ha having to get in front of a class and like give a report or do a presentation or something was the absolute worst. I hated it. It made my hands yeah. sweat. Uh, I got like super nervous about it. So, um, uh, it was like public speaking, worst fear kind of stuff. So yeah. yeah, it gets better though. Right. I mean, get over it. It's, it's still, I mean, I still get anxious whenever I do it, but I feel yeah. like I'm just another nerd amongst many other nerds. And so like everybody's there to nerd out on something. So it's not that bad. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It's It's been many, many years since I was in class, like giving that presentation. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, for me, it was learning just it's OK to say, I don't know when somebody asks you a question about it. like you don't have to be up there presenting and have all the answers to everything yeah. related to that topic. Like just, you know, as long as you present something well and you know what you're talking about, at least in what you present, if somebody says, oh, well, but how do you do this and that, you know, using that and all, you can, you can be like, you know, I don't know. I'll find, I'll, I'll look into it and I'll get back to you, you know? And cause that was always what scared me was more of the interrogation after the fact than yeah. the actual presenting. Yeah. yeah, that actually happened to me um, at the ODEVs meetup that uh, <laughs> I spoke at where I was talking about PWAs. Somebody started asking like super specific questions about service workers where the whole presentation was about don't deep dive on service workers, just go get a pre-made <laughs> solution. And so uh, I was kind of throwing my hands up and <laughs> people in the audience were like answering the guy about things they had worked with or uh, solutions they had found when working with service workers. So I guess it worked yeah. out in the end, but I, I wasn't the the industry expert at that point. <laughs> yeah. ODEVs is a good community. Everybody I've always found it's, 
it, I've been a part of communities in Boston and then I came here and I was just like, I didn't know anybody. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get, start going to Odevs and I met Sergio and I was eventually like he needed some help because Janelle couldn't take on stuff anymore. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to do it. But like one of the reasons I, I started agreeing to do more and more in that is that Odevs, the Orlando developer community has been one of the most welcoming and helpful, like, like those meetings, everybody's like super friendly, um, you know, and, and you get kind of that kind of thing. Nobody's going to judge you for your presentation or, or like, you know, jump on you about something you said, like they'll, they'll answer the question for you if they know the answer without judging, you know? So it's been great. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a good community to to be a yeah. part of. Yeah. Eddie's Oops. tearing up his office. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to bang the desk, you know. <laughs> Eddie's always that guy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And now my phone's going off. <laughs> One time we did a, a show where Eddie um, he toppled his entire mic stand over and then caught it. <laughs> And then couldn't stop laughing at himself. You left that in, right? You left it in. I've got the uncut video of it. That I'm, it's definitely going to go up on YouTube at some point. But uh, oh. I did cut the episode for, for sake of brevity. Hmm. Um, speaking of Odevs, uh, can you just give like an overview of what the Orlando Developer Group is and and what the mission is and whatnot? Sure. So, I mean, it's grown quite a bit um, because it's not just the meetup, although the meetup is kind of a core part of the of of what we do. Um, it's the it's the meetup group. It's the Slack channel, um, which I think the meetup said about 4000 members now and Slack's at about close to 4000 as well. And they're not exactly the same 4000. So it's a, it's a big community, um, but we've expanded we're now actually a 501 uh, c3 charitable organization so you know we like community members give money each month and we have sponsors and stuff and we use that money not only to run the meetups but we support a whole bunch of other meetups including like the android meetup and the um Oh God, there's a whole bunch. I can't remember the list. I usually have it on on the slide in front of me because I think we're up to like five or six different meetups that we support locally. Um, so that's, you know, some of the stuff we do. And then we have committees that do other kind of, you know, try and do other things for the developer community as well. Like run, we're planning um, a hackathon and other stuff like that that's coming up. Awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah. What about the... Uh... The online event um, platform. So I think it's called Certified Fresh Events. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's something I just kind of did on my own because I I kind of, I, I love organizing this stuff. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I, you know, every once in a while my wife tells me, because especially when I organize something like a conference, she's like, I don't know why you do this to yourself because you pull <laughs> your hair out every time and, I'm, and, and you stress out like crazy and then... And then, you know, it's all over and it goes okay. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do it all over again. You know, but um, so, yeah, the online events was kind of like something I just started organizing because I wanted to see, again, I wanted to see particular speakers. I couldn't necessarily get out there to see them all the time. And, you know, because as a developer advocate, I was often going to conferences that the company needed me to go to and not just go and and I'd have to work the booth and things like that. I wasn't just going and getting to see sessions and stuff. So I started to organize this 
to bring people whose sessions I wanted to see and watch them online. Um, so I, I've been running those for a little, I think it's over two years now. Um, uh, one every month, plus every once in a while I run like a training. Those, those do cost money because I have to compensate the people who run the training, you, you know, cause it's a lot of work to put together a training. Um, so I run those trainings and even flashback conferences kind of run under the certified fresh events umbrella. Um, but yeah, there's two years worth of free recordings of sessions on every topics like IOT, JavaScript, web development, uh, go. Um, I mean, I, and I've got some really, really amazing speakers. The, the nice thing about running online events is that, is that it's really easy to get people to agree to speak because it's just like, okay, I just need a half hour of your day, one day at, you know, at lunch and you don't have to travel. You know, so people have been really great. Um, and I've been able to get some speakers that like just shocks me that they said yes, you know? Yeah, definitely. So they're on YouTube. Uh, so some of them are on YouTube. Um, Mm -hmm. they're all available on the site, which is cfe.dev. Um, because I do them through a thing called Crowdcast. So you don't have to pay anything or anything. Just, you know, you can watch any of them for free pretty much, uh, without paying. But the YouTube, every once in a while I get around to editing them and putting them on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) I know how that feels. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, my son was supposed to be doing it. Um, he's not been doing a very good job of it. So we're probably like six months behind on editing videos. Terrible. So, ooh, certified fresh. Certified fresh events. So CFE. Okay. Dev. Okay. Nothing so, from Rotten Tomatoes. Like. Uh, hmm? not oh, I see you. what you did there. <laughs> I got you. That's true. It is. Uh, no, it kind of. I don't know. The whole idea started with just trying to do some developer events that were little fun and offbeat and the, like that's why if you go all the i have all the people are hand drawn and stuff like that okay and it's very cartoony looking um you know i just uh you know nothing against anybody's events but sometimes i feel like they get a little self-serious and it's supposed to be fun you know so yeah that was kind of my hope was to start to kind of make them a little more fun and that so the name was meant to be a little bit silly okay. you know yeah what is the uh, the platform? You said it's Crowdcast, but is that like the website is built by them, or did you build the site, or how I built do you run the site? That? I built the site. Uh, Crowdcast just does the uh, all the video recordings are done through Crowdcast, so that allows me to like get registrations and stuff like that. But uh, the site's all built in Hugo, uh, runs on Netlify, so I have some serverless stuff going on, running some of the some little pieces here and there. But other than that, it's all Hugo, um, nothing too fancy though. So did that take you a while to put together or was that like a weekend project or? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is version two because originally I built the site and it was in, you know, when you're building something and you don't necessarily think about where it's going to be in two years. And I built it, um, for, you know, kind of fewer events. And so it was harder to find stuff and it ended up, you know, here I am a year and a half later, and I have like 30 different events on there that were all recorded and it's impossible to find anything. So I rebuilt that probably about six months ago. Um, it takes it takes time. It takes time. Definitely. Yeah. 
you know, and I'm always working on it to kind of tweak it because I noticed things that I did wrong. So, <laughs> so, uh, what about flashback conference? So what was the, um, first of all, what is it? And yeah. also what inspired you to want to do a, another conference? So, um, so flashback conference is focused on front end and JavaScript development. We also have like talks on serverless and accessibility. Um, so, and it's going to be here in Orlando. Um, and on February 10th and 11th, it's actually downtown at a place called the Abbey. Um, should be a lot of fun. Like it's a single track event. So I love, I actually love single track events because one of the things that excites me about those is like everybody has shared experiences. So like you go and after each talk, you can all talk about like what the person said, you know, it's not like, Oh yeah, I was in that session and I was in this session. It's like everybody, it, it kind of generates a different atmosphere and, and conversation. But anyway, it's a single track event. I've got some great keynotes. I've got uh, Estelle Weil and I've got Kyle Simpson. Who um, so Estelle's been like involved in Web Standards community for like for ages and is really well known for that. Uh, Kyle Simpson, most people know. Like, in, if you do JavaScript, you've probably heard of Kyle Simpson because he wrote the whole "You Don't Know JS" series, and I mean he's done a ton of stuff. So, um, yeah. And what inspired me? Um, I guess I, I am a sucker for punishment, (laughs) (laughs) but really, uh, so what, what the inspiration behind this was, um, that we often talk about like new stuff, like, oh, I'm going to talk about this new API in JavaScript or whatever, uh, without the context of how we got to that point, because in, and often that context is really important. Like, you know, you remember the whole debate over the smush, dot smush, what it, I don't know if you're either you or JavaScript developers, but there was this whole big debate about, you know, they, you wanted to, they wanted to have a flatten method, like, which would have been just, I think, dot flat, right? Um, for, for arrays or whatever. I'm, I'm forgetting all some of the details here, right? And, and it just so happened that way back, uh, Moo Tools, I think it was, which was a framework nobody's probably touched for like 10 years, um, had that function in it, which it wrote to like the prototype. So like it would actually conflict with the new function in JavaScript if if they use that name. Um, and so the point is the web is backwards, fully backwards compatible, even to the point of being trying to be backwards compatible with popular frameworks that were haven't been used for ages because somewhere out there on the web, somebody's still using running a site that uses Moo tools. And if we use a name that they use, then we're gonna we're gonna break the, the web in certain parts, corners, you know? Um, so more than any other technology, I think the web lives with the history of how we got here. Um, and so that was the whole point was we can learn new stuff, but like, let's also talk a little bit about how we got here and understand the history of it. Because I think particularly for like a junior dev, who's just like getting in there, it's like, this is really important to know. So, so you can kind of get the context because sometimes it, it, it really impacts, um, some of your, you know, you see how some of your choices impact the future and some of some of the decisions you're making about which technologies to use or, or how to implement something can really impact how, you know, the future of your application and where, you know, where, what you're going to have to 
do later on to keep continue maintaining this. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I remember yeah. the uh, the whole hubbub about mood tools and um, how they had overwrote that that method on the prototype, and then it basically ruined it for everybody forever because uh, the web standards folks looked at that and said, "Well, we'd like to name this array method this, but if we do, we'll break." thousands of websites and we won't know which ones and maybe yeah. they're not maintained anymore and all this stuff. So uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty fascinating, but I'm sure at the time the person that was writing Mutools was just thinking like, well, this method flattens the array. I should name it flatten or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. And so they thought they were doing right. And yeah. Just yeah, didn't have I mean, the foresight to look 20 years in the, or 15 years or 10 years in the future. It makes sense. And, uh, you know, and one of the things like, for instance, when if you're doing like my, a lot of stuff with uh, like, for instance, Dom traversal and things that are now built into the browser. Right. I mean, a lot of these things were based on methods in jQuery that, you know, still actually I've still, jQuery still used on something like 80 percent of the web's web you know it's insane people like there's all these <laughs> we've been now like five years into you don't need jquery for to do this kind of you know movement and it's still being used across the web right um and and so you know even some of the newer methods in the browser and things are inspired by by the tools that that preceded them and and, and you know to this day we're, we're kind of constantly being pushed forward by by people building these tools and, and evolving the web. Um, so I think it's really, it adds a lot to the discussion of like, you know, how do I use this to understand why it is the way it is? Because sometimes this stuff doesn't necessarily make sense. You're like, why would they build it that way? And then, it, and then once you learn, okay, this is how we got here. It's like, oh, that makes total sense to me now, right? So I think it really it really helps your learning process. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I I really like uh, old web stuff. So uh, every once in a while, I'll jump on and look at like the Space Jam website. Um, <laughs> sometimes I jump on uh, Cameron'sWorld.net, um, and he's got like this archive of all these old GeoCities page and Angel Fire and stuff like that. Oh God, yeah. So right. uh, that that was like a super different era of the web where everybody had their own like yeah. stupid animations and gifs and dancing babies and nonsense dance. really. Yes. The hamster dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just not like that anymore. Yeah. I mean, the web has kind of, I, you know, I think uh, it's, it's mostly like there are corners of the web that are a lot of fun now, but, but a lot of what we do on a day to day basis is, is run by a handful of big companies. Right. So I think yeah. that, you know, I'm not trying to criticize them necessarily, but I think the, the web used to be a really kind of quirky place uh, and it still can be, but it's, it's just, you know, it was new then though. So it makes it a little bit different. It was new. So like, you know, stuff like hamster dance was like idiotic, but it was new, um, <laughs> you know, so made it fun. Now we have Baby Yoda, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I guess that's true, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't need no hamster dance. <laughs> I remember um, the works best in Internet Explorer tag that was on a bunch of sites. That was a, yeah. a favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did that once in my early days. because. Um, so the interesting thing to me, to not get harp on, on this web history stuff, because... We are going to talk about lots of new stuff at this conference. It's not just web history, but I love web history stuff. Um, 
So is I was developing back in the day when Internet Explorer 6 was like, oh, my God, this is the best. I <laughs> hated it was Netscape 452, I think it was, was the buggiest piece of software I'd used. And it just so, you know, you, you know, you all may remember like having to code things around IE, right? But back mm-hmm. in the day, we were coding in I, for IE and having to code around Netscape 4 or 5 because it was so problematic and there were so many bugs, I think particularly in the JavaScript implementation and other things. So, um, you know, so we, you know, we loved IE for a time and then things changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think now it's uh, Safari is slowly becoming the new IE. Like every time I hit a bug, I'm like, oh, Safari, why? Why can't they fix it? Yeah, I think that's just, you know, they don't update as frequently. So, you know, they're very, and and they're a bit, particularly you're doing PWA stuff, and they put that at their own pace because it doesn't fit their agenda, I think. So, yeah, that was a, a weird one because the whole technology seems to be at odds with Apple, but then at the same time, like, iOS and Safari was the first browser to actually start implementing that. So they had their own version of um, like the add to home screen. And that came out way before Chrome's. But at the same time, they haven't really embraced it since. So yeah, it's a it's a weird uh, stalemate that's that's kind of going on with Safari and, and uh, Google. But yeah, I mean, the good news about PWAs is it's like it works in the browser, it works in and it doesn't break anything in the browser that doesn't right so that's that's the whole idea yeah it's um, progressive <laughs> exactly so you know i think that's where they were really smart with that is is you didn't have to make a separate version of your site that you know suddenly yeah the apple people couldn't take advantage of some features but you know what and that it still works um so that, that was smart cool so um not to derail too hard on pwas but uh as far as running a conference goes, like, how do you, so my first thought is, how do you get the money for all this? Like, where do you find uh, money to book an event? And then don't you have to have speakers before you have the event? Don't you have to have the event space before you book speakers? Like, it seems like yeah. a big tangled mess. It is. It is. You have to have, so you have to have this, I start by picking the space um, because the space often dictates the dates. Uh, because particularly when you're a smaller conference, like, and I'm not booking a year out in advance, right? Like you gotta, you gotta know, you, you find a space and you're like, okay, what dates are available on this? You know, here's where I'm looking in this range and then they'll give you the dates. And then, yeah. And then once you have dates and the place, start looking for speakers. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's particularly a lot in the beginning when you're planning doing the initial planning and getting the site ready and getting initial speakers and schedule and then it kind of calms and that's but that's the part where like you're pulling your hair out like is anybody going to buy tickets to this thing come on people why do you wait till last minute and then yeah and then you get to the to the end where like it's just manic dealing with like you know food and and all kinds of other planning parties and all this other planning so um where do you get the money i mean for this, it's my money on the line. That's, you know, often I've done conferences for companies and, you know, uh, in some ways it's, it's not my money on the line. So it's less stressful. In other ways, it's like, yeah, but your job's on the line. So it's more stressful. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, in some ways I'd rather, I'd rather be my money 
um, that's on the line. But yeah, that's if you know, I got sponsors, so that helps. Uh, I got you know, I have a number of sponsors that have, have agreed to, so that kind of offsets some of the the costs initially for me. So is it kind of like once you've committed to do it, you've like put your money into it, and then you're kind of at that point emotionally detached from it, and then if it flops, you're like, well, whatever, man, you know, live another day. <laughs> but if it does, if, if it does well, you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, awesome, I got some money back. What are you talking or, about? No, I don't know. I'm like, no. How does that, what did what's I didn't the I just, Didn't I just describe to you that the, the, the lull period where you're not working as hard on on the, or, you know, that's when the, that's the period when you're not sleeping because the tickets aren't selling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, and and it's always that way. I mean. I've had a few events that sold out really quickly, but like most of them, particularly lately, people wait till the last month. Nobody buys it, like barely anybody buys tickets until a month before. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, where you're, you're sitting there and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be a complete failure. And, and then in the last, you know, three, four weeks, everybody's like suddenly starts buying tickets and you're like, all right, I'm saved. So, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, it's that, that's, that's the period where you don't sleep, or at least I don't, <laughs> because I wake up and I'm like, you know, what if this is going to fail? So. <laughs> so you must really want this thing to happen if you're doing it uh, of your own volition and putting your own money into it, um, yeah. as opposed to like, you know, your company passes down a mandate that's like, Brian, you're our dev advocate. We want a conference. Go make us a conference. Here's some money or something. Yeah. I mean, I I, I also feel like... Um, yeah, you know, we could use. I, we got a great developer community here, and I'd love. I'd, I mean, we have some some community events, but you know, given the size of the community, most of the conferences here, I feel like, you know, people come into Orlando, they get to the airport, they hop on a bus, they go to Disney, you know, go to the conference, they hop on a bus, come back, and they're like, oh, you know, to them, Orlando is not a place anybody even lives, you know. So like, <laughs> I wanted to have like a conference you know, in downtown. So I specifically searched for venues downtown. Um, because, you know, and I, I felt like having done or Orlando devs, I felt like, you know, we've got a really great community here. So I could do something that not only helped the community here, but also make showcased Orlando as a place, you know, that developers might actually want to come and live and, you know, um, that we, cause we've got a great community here and, and I think they don't get to see that heading out to the conference centers out by the parks. Right. So that was the motivation. Gotcha. How, um, how do you get Kyle Simpson and Estelle Weil and big names like, uh, those folks to agree to do something like this? How do you even get a hold of people like that? Do you just email them or do you know them already or how did that have worked out? Uh, you know, I know them, some of them. Uh, you know, I, I've known Kyle for some years. Um, Estelle, I met at a conference years ago, but I don't, you know, she and I don't know each other well. She was more like some of them you reach out, like, so Estelle, I just reached out and asked her. Um, Kyle, I harassed him for like two months to get, to, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, like other people like Ray and, and Burke, I've been good friends of mine forever. Um, you know, I've been doing this a long time, so even events, not just events, but like speaking at events and running events and, and, you know, active as a developer advocate for a long time. So you get to meet a lot of people who like to speak. Um, so that's the good, 
good news. You know, other conferences run CFPs. Mine have always been invite only, but that's just kind of how I prefer to run it. Interesting. Um, how did you get into being a developer advocate? It was that something you started like way back when you were at Adobe and you've just been doing that since or? Yeah, more or less. Um, like I said, I was doing a lot of community stuff beforehand and then, and then, uh, I got that job as the flash community manager at Adobe. And when flash went away, um, I kind of morphed into other roles that were kind of developer relations. A lot of it focused on content. Um, so like I ran sites that had developer content and stuff like that. Uh, and then, you know, kind of I've shifted and there's the thing is developer advocate is not like a very easy to define role because it covers a wide range of stuff that people do. So, you know, I've kind of done, uh, a lot of, a lot of those things. I'm not like the road warrior, uh, <laughs> dev advocate that's like at every conference known to man. Um, but um, but yeah, that's, I've been doing community stuff for so long that that's kind of how I ended up doing, doing that. I, it wasn't, it wasn't something like I said, oh, I want to get involved in the community. Let me become a dev advocate. It was like, I am heavily involved in the community and places were like, you know, you'd be a good dev advocate. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Eddie, did you have something? I feel like I talked to you there for a second. <laughs> no, it's cool. Um, I was going to ask, how do you go about marketing a conference? Like, do you? Uh, it's mostly hair pulling. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the hardest part, particularly when you're doing a first time event. Um, okay. Is getting the word out, like you know, uh, and it's it's really calling in every favor you can ever call in. <laughs> it's because you know a lot of the paid stuff really doesn't work, and I, I've known other people who run a number of conferences and they've kind of said the same, unless you're a big conference with a big budget, the paid ads don't really work. So it's really just, you know, making sure people tweet about it, you know, get adding it on every listing of conferences, emailing, whatever emails you can, you know, I have a mailing list, thankfully from running all this online stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is, if you if you ever want to run a conference, all the logistics seem like it's going to be the hardest part, and then you learn the hardest part is marketing it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. They, it drives you crazy. Fair enough. Uh, you got anything else, Eddie? The only other question I have is about StackBit because I'm a little curious. Oh yeah, I was going to ask about that too because I don't know what that is. So from what <laughs> I've heard, if I may, yeah, uh, it's kind of like a instant like whammo click a button poof here's your jamstack site kind of thing where you oh, have really? like themes uh on the website yeah so it's necessary what what it is today because we're a startup so it's changing um what we have today you can go there and you sign up and you pick your static site generator we support a few out of the box but actually under the covers it could support almost anyone um and then you pick a theme and you pick a CMS or no CMS, but most people pick a CMS like so these are headless CMS or um, or something like a um, Netlify CMS. And then it gives you the site. Right. So it's all hooked up pre-wired for everything. So like if you say chose Contentful as your CMS, your headless CMS, 
and you make a change in Contentful, it'll actually cause the site to rebuild and, and your change will show up on the site. So no need to do all that wiring. Um, what we are uh, doing, part of where we're headed is actually one of the difficulties of the Jamstack is is that they're, you know, we move towards these headless CMSs and not just in Jamstack, but in general, people are moving towards like this headless CMS where you make a change, but it's, and while it's great that it's not tied into the front end in the, you know, where you're, you're writing code that is, is CMS code in the front end, right? Um, you're just calling, instead you're calling a headless CMS API, right? But, but then what happens is, when you're the person who edits content, like say you're the marketing person or a person who writes content for the site, like uh, um, you, you're now editing in something that's completely disassociated from what you're going to see. So like, I want to change this headline and I change it and then I push it and, and then all of a sudden it shows up on the site and I'm like, crap, that's not what I wanted. Change, change again, fix, run, wait for the build. Okay. 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 That looks better. You know what I mean? Like, so, so you can't see what you're doing on the site. And so what we're working on is a set of tools that allow you to just go to the front end of your site and start making changes. And it knows how everything's wired on the back end. So I like, I can change the title and, and it'll be able to, you know, okay, this is go to Sanity, um, which is another headless CMS and make that change to the title. And then, and then it'll preview it for you and all kinds of stuff like that. That's kind of the main tool. The, the site builder tool is still going to exist, but it isn't our our kind of core product that we're going to monetize, I guess, to put it that way. Okay. So it sounds like you're kind of going after the more uh, non-developer crowd. So if uh, somebody's like a marketer or something and they're in charge of content for the site, um, maybe they would use your tool to preview some updates they were going to make or some design changes or something like that. Yeah, so the the marketers are going to be the end users in some respects, but um, but developers are kind of still our core audience because they're the ones who have to build and maintain this stuff, um, and they're often the ones who are the first to to have to recognize these issues, right? Like so, so what they end up having to do today in some in some cases is build custom solutions to preview stuff and and things like that, right? So so they're the ones who like you know there's got to be a better way, right? And so they come looking for a solution like what we're building um, and rather than the marketers kind of generally speaking. And I, I say this as somebody who was in marketing, um, you know, I was a director in marketing over at progress until I joined Stackbit. Um, but like, you know, is generally speaking, the, the marketers use the tools they're given. Right. And so they don't necessarily know that there's, that they could do with this a better way. Right, because they just have the tools they're given. I mean, they may bitch about it, but the, but they're not gonna, <laughs> you know. Uh, everybody does, right? But so it's gonna be the developers who come looking for this stuff. So um, that's kind of at least that's our theory. Again, we're a startup, so live. <laughs> we learn it as we're going. Are you a, a developer advocate over there at Sackbit also, or yeah, a developer advocate? Yeah, cool. So uh, any tips for any um, developers out there that are kind of, maybe they like to blog, maybe they have a podcast, like a couple of knuckleheads we know, uh, maybe they're <laughs> eyeing a developer advocate role down the road somewhere. Um, is there any advice that you would have for them or tips or anything like that? So, you know, 
Number one, I think if you want to be a developer advocate, the thing I would say, first of all, is how much do you love to code, right? Because some people love coding and sitting at their desk and coding all day. And then you become a developer advocate thinking, I'm going to do that and code these cool, <coughs> you know, demo projects and blah, 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 right? Turns out, uh, I, it depends on which role you're in, but like, yeah, 80 to 90% of the job is not coding. So, you know, um, I have the people who like really, really love to just sit and code often find that this isn't the role for them. And I've been in places where like those people have come and they're like, look, you know, it's a great job. I, I know that, but like, I just want to code and I don't get to code all day, you know? Um, so that's one thing I, that's one piece of advice I'd say. So like, cause it seems like a dream job for somebody to sit and code all day. And it turns out it's, you know, it's a dream job for other reasons, I think, but you know, it's it's not not necessarily if you love to just sit at your desk and code all day. Um, but what I'd say, other than that, is kind of like what you, what you guys are doing. Like, start doing the thing. I mean, launch your podcast. Go go to like a site like Dev Two and just write. I mean, Dev Two is great because this like the least judgmental community out there. You know, everybody's super supportive. Write what you want, and you know they're not going to judge you for it. Um, and and just start doing it and then that's that's you know that's how you get into that role it's not it's not i get into that role and now i'm gonna learn to write and i'm gonna you know start speaking and and like i said it's the opposite you got to start doing that stuff and and then you're ready i think to move into developer advocate role granted even that role has changed quite a bit there are now like junior developer advocates and senior developer and things all in between so you know um but still that would be my recommendation awesome yeah cool Eddie, you got anything else nope cool so uh (laughs) (laughs) definitely check out flashback conf um and certified fresh uh events so cfe.dev that's charlie foxtrot echo.dev um for flashback conf as well as the uh the monthly online meetups which uh are around lunchtime and they're about a half hour you said yeah they're about a half hour around lunchtime yep we got one coming up uh i haven't announced it yet but it'll be coming up on the 17th so that'll be the next one sweet uh, yeah all right cool well, so uh yeah yeah thank you for coming on uh before we let you go at yeah. the end of every, every episode <laughs> we do a little thing called nerd minute where we talk about comic books or movies or video games or whatever so um Brian, oh, you're yeah. the guest. Is there anything that you've been into lately or any cool movies you've seen or anything like that? Um, well, it definitely wasn't Star Wars. Wasn't. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I love Star Wars, but not that movie. Um, so are, so are you talking about the latest Star Wars? Yeah. Oh, don't, don't, don't ruin you, it. You didn't like it? Seen it oh, did I not like it so don't, much? Don't spoil it because yeah. people will hurt us, but... I will. Um, I will not spoil it, but I did not like it. But um, (laughs) so what I am into is uh, I play a lot of a game called Apex Legends. Okay. Uh I'm I'm a gamer, but I swap between Apex Legends. I still play Overwatch quite a lot, but like Apex is my main game. Um, It's a lot of fun. It's kind of like a if you haven't played it, it's like it's uh, battle royale, kind of like Fortnite, but not as you know, it's more like a traditional shooter in many senses. So, um, so it's it's made by the same company that makes Titanfall. So it's set in like that Titanfall universe. There's no Titans though, 
So, but it's it's just it's a squad based thing. So it makes it a little bit more fun. You have to find players who you want to play with. Do you have a squad that you play? I with? do have a squad. Yeah, I mean, not like professionally or anything. Yeah, I'm not yeah, that yeah. good. They're certified. <laughs> They're certified fresh. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I have a, I have a group of guys I, I met through there, um, and end up kind of sticking with because when you play with randos, it ends up being like, I mean. Honestly, a good 90% of them, you're like, oh, my God, this person, they're either obnoxious or they're terrible, So, <laughs> like at the game. And so I'm like, you know, so when you meet somebody who is like, like who's nice and who isn't yelling, cursing at you or, 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 you know, getting into, you're into a fight and they're running off looting somewhere, like, you know, <laughs> things like that. So like all of a sudden it's like you start to gather a group of people who you end up playing with again, you know? And, and so, yeah, I have a group that I play with and it's a lot of fun. PC, cool. PS4. All the above. I play it on PS4. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So. And have you played it? Do you no, like I, it? I haven't. I haven't played it. I'm not much of You're a, not a gamer. Uh, well, no, I am a gamer, but I don't like multiplayer stuff. I'm very bad at shooters. Like I would be one of the awful people you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but see, it's not awful. It's like awful in the sense of like I wouldn't curse like, at you, but you know, yeah, I'd be. But I, you know, yeah, and I or <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with somebody who's who's learning to play, but tries to play. Like these are people who like they're this is intentional this is not like (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing yeah (laughs) so anyway yeah i'm not that great either i mean i get i've gotten better because i play it a lot but i'm i'm not that good they carry me (laughs) that's cool last uh competitive shooter i think i tried to play was uh halo reach for xbox 360 (laughs) and uh, i got into a game where it was like a group of fellows that obviously they play a lot and it was them versus me and like a couple of kids or something. So uh, they just kind of steamrolled us for a good solid 15 minutes. And then I said, well, maybe online isn't for me. <laughs> and just kind of gave up on it. Between yeah. that and uh, like little kids screaming at you and it sounds like Mickey Mouse is cussing in your ear. Um, <laughs> I just <laughs> haven't really been interested in doing the online shooter thing. But Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. For the longest time I was like that. Uh, I think... Overwatch is one of those games that's brought me over. That's um, a really good game. It is a good game, and the thing is, I I find my way. I find my little way of playing right. Like so, like Overwatch, I I tried competitive for a while, like not real competitive, just competitive mode. Like I'm, I was not that great, um, and that's where it was. It was kind of toxic. So I just said, you know what? I'm not playing competitive, and I play my little mode, and I go in there and I mute everybody. And that, you know? <laughs> so I'm playing with people there, but like, unless I'm playing with a friend, I'm not actually talking. I don't join the conversation. So, okay. yeah. Eddie, you got anything for Nerd Minute? Uh, no, uh, the only online shooter thing that I've played that I was really into was the first uh, Battlefront when it mm. came out around Episode Seven time. Mm. Uh, that was good. Um. Anyway, I was gonna bring up. I finished um the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, I finished don't, that too. Yeah, don't spoil. I have seen everything about the last episode. The last That's, episode is really good. I've heard yeah. I, that that show is excellent. Um, yeah. just just so you know that I'm not just hating on Star Wars. <laughs> like that show is excellent. I love that, and 
um, yeah, it's just a new movie. Yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and piggyback on that and say that <clears throat> Mandalorian was fantastic. Uh, all the actors really nailed it. Um, John Favreau did an excellent job. Uh, I don't really have anything to complain about about that one. It, everything yeah. was golden. It felt like. Yeah, yeah, really good. So, in fact, I'm dying to maybe tonight I get to finally catch up on that. Tonight's the night. Yes. <laughs> what happens to Baby Yoda? I must know. <laughs> He's the new man. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the Witcher was good too. I don't know if you. I've heard. I've yeah. heard. I want to watch. I saw that the next. first episode, it, and that's it. It's really good. It has an issue with time, but uh, I don't want to spoil it. But... Okay. Yeah. I know. Uh, I've watched track. enough Christopher Nolan movies to get to be. <laughs> He's prepared. He's ready. Yeah. <laughs> All least, of them jump around in time. Yeah, at least Memento tells you like, hey, you're going this back, this far back, and then this far back. But this is like jumping all over the place. And it's kind of hard to tell where you are in the story. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he Nolan does that. In, uh, outside of the Batman movies, it's been almost all. It's the theme of like all his movies, from like uh, um, even that last one that was like a World War One movie. That, I didn't see it. Yeah, uh, Dunkirk. I, mean, it, I think. Dunkirk, yeah, right. it screwed with time the whole time. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so like, you didn't realize there was three stories going on that were told. One, one was like over uh, like weeks. One was over days, and one was over hours. But it kept flashing back and forth until all of a sudden they crisscross at times. And you're like, wait, but that person died. Like how? In, you yeah. know, so weird. <laughs> and then what was the one with the the dreaming thing where they go into the dreams? That one. Oh, uh, uh, Inception. Inception, yeah. Inception, yeah. All about time as well. I mean, you know, from Memento, that's, once you take Batman out, it's like everything's focused. <laughs> Look at the new movie. It seems like it's all about, like, they're, they're rewinding time, the one that's coming out. Um, I've seen uh, a trailer. I forget what it's called. Uh, it looks awesome. Can't yeah. wait. <laughs> I will say that uh, The Witcher, um, I think the first book and the most popular book uh, as a collection of short stories, so maybe they're doing something where, like that, where they're picking different standalone things to tell his story. I'm not really sure. Yeah, also, yeah, I don't Hen- know. Henry Cavill doesn't say a whole lot either. <laughs> yeah, I saw yes. a meme today that was like, uh, "Hmm," and then yeah, it said, "Geralt of of Rivia or yeah. something." <laughs> oh, he'll curse or something like drop a nut bomb or something. But that's, that's <laughs> I will say the the fight scenes were excellent. Uh, the, in that first episode, they're really good, super good. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, I'll have to watch it, and I'll come <laughs> on another future podcast where we can discuss whether whether we all liked it. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. And then we can maybe talk Star Wars without spoiling it for folks. Yeah, <laughs> give us give Eddie and I a chance to see it because we haven't seen it yet. Do a spoiler cast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, uh, that's all I've got for this one. Um, right. thanks Brian so much for coming on it was a blast having you on the show yeah thank yeah, you. yeah thanks for having me this is great cool so uh, check out cfe.dev uh, that's certified fresh events um, for online meetups and then check out flashbank conference uh, it seems like it's going to be a uh, a real blast a lot of fun should be it's going to be fun thanks for listening to Tech Junior head on over to our site at techjr.dev for show notes and past episodes while you're there, click subscribe to get an email from us once a week with the latest episode and some other goodies. Please follow us on Twitter at TechJR Podcast. You can follow me at Lee Work Jr. 
paneddy at ed0ter0. Join us next week where we're going to be talking to Kyle Gill, who was an intern for Gatsby, uh, but is now working there full-time on tutorial content uh, for Gatsby and their, and their docs and whatnot. So pretty interesting story about how he got started there, and we think you will enjoy it. So join us next Wednesday for that one. Also, we are going to be doing some tutorials uh, in the near future, so if you have any suggestions or stuff that you want to see us do, please shoot us a message on Twitter, or you can email us at uh, techgrpodcast at gmail.com. All right, that's all for this week. Uh, We will see you around. Bye.